And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, everybody? We are back. This is your guest host, Janae Gamage, coming with our final episode in this Mental Health Monday series. Today, we are talking about grind culture burnout, all the things, and I am going to introduce you to our first guest, one of my favorite people, but first, I want to remind you that this episode and this entire series has been brought to you by Fullscale.io, excuse me, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. So today, I have with me Nasir Chris, VC at 68 Capital, which is a firm dedicated to investing in underrepresented founders and innovators. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Welcome. 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 So tell us who you are um, and why people should listen to what you have to say about this. (laughs) I don't know if they should listen, but I would like them to. I think we (laughs) both would like them to. Currently a venture capitalist at 68 Capital. We are, as Janae mentioned, a Midwest-based fund that invests in underrepresented founders, raised about $20 million to invest in the pre-seed and seed stages. Uh, prior to this, I did some work at a growth equity fund uh, based in Kansas City. And then before that was kind of doubling back and forth between New York City, DC, Virginia, um, actually building out uh, startups myself. So operator turned VC, looking to kind of crack the model and code in the venture capital industry. Nice, nice. Um, so on this episode, we're going to talk about the startup hustler, what it really means. Um, does that imply that you need to work 24-7? Can you not work nonstop and still succeed? Um, definitely want to hear your feedback. But first, what motivates you? Um, a lot of times, People say, if you can't work nonstop, if you can't do 24-7 about something you're passionate about, then you're just not motivated or disciplined. Um, Personally, I don't believe that's true. But so what motivates you? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, really it's about level setting and figuring out what your goals are. So I know that my goals are different than yours and our goals are different than people that probably listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, For me, you know, I'm motivated by intrinsically wanting to make the world a better place. And as romantic as that sounds... Um, I'm a natural born problem solver. Mm. Um, what that means is close to home is creating financial security, not just for myself, but for my family, for my immediate community, for my friends. Um, and an evolution of that has been throughout my career, trying to do the same thing for other people that look like me, for other people that come from backgrounds similar to mine. And so really, I mean, what makes me get up every day is that burning passion and desire to say, hey, how can I create wealth in the lives of others uh, while also cr- creating wealth in, in, in my own life? Um, and being able to go out and build, right? Like, I think that I'm a person that's really passionate about uh, getting my hands dirty, actually like putting things together, um, Mm -hmm. building from the ground up. And so that kind of keeps me engaged and excited in terms of going out and tackling new problems every day. Nice. And 
At 68 Capital, you guys work with underrepresented founders, and we know because of a lot of various reasons why that population is more susceptible to um, mental illness as well as mental health issues. Do you guys have anything in place when it comes to dealing with that and, um, you know, just the population that you're working with? We don't have a formal program, Mm -hmm. um, but we do have what we call a resource catalog. And then Mm -hmm. we've also set a culture of of openness and transparency. Um, Whenever we onboard a new founder to our portfolio, we've invested in the company and now we want to give them access to the many resources that we have available to them. We have a dashboard built out that has mentors and uh, different colleagues from around the industry, other founders. It's all built out into a dashboard where you can reach out to people and talk to them. These are all people that have opted into our resource dashboard to say, hey, you know, we want to be able to talk to your founders and have office hours with them. And it could be other investors. It could be industry leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wouldn't say that there's anyone in there that is specifically a mental health professional, but Mm -hmm. there's a community where it's okay to come and talk about the struggles you're having, especially as it relates to you trying to grow and build your business. Um, secondarily, um, you know, I think Kelly Jones, who is the uh, GP and managing director, as well as co-founder of 68, has done an incredible job of creating a culture where we all feel seen and heard. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, our, our, our mantra is seen, heard, funded. Um, but I think one of the things that she expresses to us is, you know, we can't do our best work if we don't feel like our best selves. And a lot of the times that requires making sure that we're within the rhythm, that we're taking rest at the appropriate times. They were able to get help maybe either within the team or outside of the team and pointing us to the right places. And so that's a culture and environment that we then also take towards our founders. Um, And we encourage them to have not just within their personal lives, within their kind of founder journey, but within their teams as well. Okay. I love, is that, that's not normal. Like venture capital Hmm. firms don't have a resource dashboard. Is that like the the norm or is that (laughs) a capital thing? I can't, I can't speak on everyone else um, or what exactly that they do. Um, I know people have like some things similar, like uh, I'll shout out M25 there in Chicago. They do this like summit every year where they bring together all their contacts from their network. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that someone has like a living kind of database with opt-in contacts similar to, we do, similar to what we have, uh, but maybe they do. I just, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Um, okay. So Grind culture. And for my listeners who don't know what grind culture is, it's it's the idea that success or even status um, is achieved by always being on and available. So like no matter where you are, what you're doing, you're you're hustling, you're reachable. The first thing you do when you wake up is check your emails and respond. You're the first person at the office or wherever you're working from in that moment. And you just have like this never ending to-do list. There's, there's always something to do. Um, and it's almost like a, a badge of honor to just sacrifice your time and yourself in order to be successful. Um, and I want to point out that for, you know, black and brown people, uh, grind culture can have such a deep and just more hurtful meaning um, because it, it's again rooted in systemic racism. Um, so I want to talk about founders. Um, the difference to you, if if you are 
is it called shopping? Like, what is it called when you're like looking for founders to invest in? <laughs> Sourcing. Sourcing. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> shopping came to mind. I don't know why. We're, we're not cattle. Um, but these are people. These are people. <laughs> these are people. What would you say the difference between founders that you've come across that are truly just grinding it out 24-7 and those that aren't? Have you seen anything? Or do you even have access to that information? Um, let me, I want to make sure I'm like clear on what you're asking. So like really kind of differentiating the ones that are maybe have a different type of routine versus mm-hmm. those that are like, it's very clear they're going out, they're getting after it like every single day. Every single day, 24-7. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? I would say that I think in the business overall, the model is built that those founders that grind a lot, like we, we call it that, are the ones that um, are the surest bets, right? Like, mm-hmm. because you feel like as an investor, you know, the money that you're putting in is protected because mm-hmm. this is a person who's going to do whatever it takes to be able to go out and achieve that goal. They're going to be able to put in the time. They're going to be able to return the calls. They're going to be able to respond to the emails, build the product, go to the meetings, all the things. Um, however, I think that the best founders have figured out the balance of how to do that and also still make sure that they're prioritizing their mental health. Um, And so I think for us, a lot of our process in the beginning is spending time with the founder to actually get to know who they are, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, the investment process can move quickly, but for us, we want to have several meetings. We want to get to know the founder. We want to know why they're motivated to do what they're doing. We want to know what their background is. We want to know how they've assembled their team. What are their, what does their team think about them? Right? Like, we're not digging into stuff like their families and things like that. Like maybe over drinks or like dinner. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe over dinner or drinks or something like that. You know, obviously like once we get a little bit more cordial, we start to share things. But but really it's about understanding like, do you have a balance in your life that allows you to be able to give maximum effort to the business in whatever capacity that you can, while also still taking care of yourself? Because at the end of the day, like the founder is the most valuable asset to the business, at least until it grows to a certain level. And if our founders are not in a position where they're well taken care of, then it's of no value to us, right? And so I think um, that all kind of comes into play when we're starting to think about the personality of the founders initially and really kind of evaluating what does the fit feel like, especially mm-hmm. knowing the culture that we have within our, our our team and within our company. So how many hours a day does Nasir work? <laughs> Uh, can I say that off the record? No. Um, tell me your routine. Tell me how how you operate. How you got to tell you got to tell me yours back too. You got to tell me yours back. Um, no, no investor is gonna want to hear what what my routine is. I I want to. I definitely want to hear it. Um, I would say that mine varies. Um, you know, between having meetings with founders, other investors, LPs, partnership opportunities strategic initiatives mm-hmm. but then also having like what i call work work which is like building out financial models valuations doing market research things like that um on any given day i'm probably putting somewhere between like nine to 12 hours in um now that being said like knowing that i kind of work in that capacity i also allow myself the grace of having like one day a week where like i don't work at all right or two days a week where i'm saying Hey, I'm going to do half days. Like I'm only going to take meetings from 9 a.m. to noon and then from noon to, you know, whatever the rest of the day, I'm going to allow myself free space, free space to think and be creative. And so it does vary. um, But I feel like, you know, most of the times I'm working and that's a personal choice for me, right? Like 
I think, you know, I take the time to be able to separate myself from my work so that I can be in the capacity where if any of my founders need to call me, they can call me whenever. If my GPs or LPs need to call me, they can call me. Um, so it's, it's very strategic, like how I figured out my balance, but that's, that's probably my routine. I'm curious to know about you since obviously founder, it's a little bit like different dynamic, but. Yeah. So it, it really depends on the stage that I'm at. So I'm back in like early stage venture um, phase mode, whatever. So it's a little different um, because I do have to be very, very intentional with setting boundaries um, because I just know how I am, especially when I'm building a new company. It's like a baby, like, you know, you, and it, and you can treat it like a baby with, with the baby. When you bring them home, you have to get into a routine. You have to figure out, you know, what works and what doesn't. Fortunately, um, you know, this time around, I, I've already had some things in place to where I can kind of fit in all my work. So um, I, every other Friday off, um, I do do the four day work week. And that being said, if it's a revenue generating activity, then I will answer. Um, <laughs> if, it's not, then if it can wait, it can wait. I think it was really training my mindset. Um, in the beginning, everything was a revenue generating activity in my previous company. And that's not the case. Things can wait and things can get done tomorrow or on Monday. Um, and so I think that the mindset shift and, and that's how I keep myself kind of in tune because mental health for me, I ha it has to be the priority or I cannot perform. I cannot be productive. Um, so I don't want to be operating in a stage of burnout. Um, we do two week sprints and then one week of reflection planning where we don't do big meetings or anything like that. I myself won't take over three meetings that week um, because I do need to reflect. I do need to plan so that I can be the best during our two week sprint. And then two week sprint, yeah, I go hard. And of those weeks, there's three to four days where I do nothing but work and I could have a 10 to 12 hour day. But for the most part, I, I don't need to. Um, if that changes, then it changes. I also know that this time around, because I don't have a lot of control and it's so early, I'm always just like putting out fires here and doing this. And um, my workload is so diverse right now and ever changing. I change my environment. So I'll travel while I'm working and, you know, set up shop in different countries for a month or so. And just make sure that, you know, I'm in, I'm operating in, in my happy place so that I can continue to be productive and work like that if I need to work like that. But as for my team, I, you know, I don't let them do that. So I love that. I, I would just point out one thing that I noticed about you that I am like greatly admiring of and inspired by is it takes a level of self-awareness to be able to know that, right? Like to be able to know, like, where your breaking points are, your weaknesses, like how far you can actually push yourself and really how to get the most productivity out of yourself. And so like clap, 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 kudos for you. Because I think that like, for real, I think a lot of people don't even get to that place where they like had that moment with themselves. They push until burnout and then yeah. trying to recover from burnout is the most difficult thing to do when, you know, you are passionate about something you want to continue to get yourself to work on it. So um, I'm taking notes from you. I think that that's cool. And that's definitely something that I want to tell other founders about if you'll give me permission to. Yeah, yeah. And I think I appreciate the kudos. I really do. 
Um, it, it took a long time to get here. Again, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 14. I am 36 now. So literally just in the past two years, I got here. You know, it wasn't always like this. And it did get to a point where I did reach a mental breaking point where my life was at stake by my own hands. And I don't want to get back to that point. Right. So now I understand and with therapy and with, you know, my support system, I'm, a, I'm able to look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and see, you know, my error um, and where I did not prioritize what I needed to prioritize as far as myself, because there is that stigma as a founder, which we'll, we'll get into my next question. Actually, there is that stigma that like, I have to be always on. I cannot be open and publicly say like, I'm struggling. I can't show up to work because my employees are watching. You know, my customers are watching. I want to go raise money. I, I, I can't be out here looking like I don't have it together and like I can't pull this off. You know what I mean? Uh, what's your what are your thoughts on that? Your opinion on that coming from the VC perspective? Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of different schools of thoughts that are like specifically in our modern age going around right now. There's like mm -hmm. this idea of like building public where you share everything and like you tweet about kind of all the ups and downs and stuff, which I think couldn't be valuable for some people, both as like an expressive way to communicate, but also for their audience, like the people that are listening and learning from them. Um, and then I think there's kind of more traditional uh, school of thought, which is like, you know, I'm going to build, 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 and I'm going to let the building kind of speak for me and whatever I may be going through, I might not say. Um, I think different strokes for different folks, different things work for different people. Um, my dad always told me at a very early age, time and place. Um, and he was like, you know, know what you're saying and who you're saying it to and know that sometimes it might not always be the right time if you're in the right place. Sometimes you might be in the right place and it's not the right time. And so like what that's just impressed upon me is that like um, not everything is for everyone time in every place um and so i think as long as you it, it, my 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 kind of impression of it is like in this business on both sides as a founder and a vc it's very strategic mm -hmm. and so as long as you kind of know who you're talking to why you're talking to them is it the right time to be sharing the right information and things like that while also being transparent and honest and open i think you can't lose i think it's a balance like yeah. i would never tell anyone to like not show up and not tell the truth and omit information and things like that However, you know, again, maybe there's more personal things that are going on in your life that you might not want to share in that moment. Right. However, like if it maybe affects investment down the line, is that something that you have to think about? Like, I think it plays into a lot of different things. Um, but for the most part, what I can say about like our team specifically between Kelly, Paul and myself, we try to be as open and transparent as possible. Like the 68 model is transparency. VC itself is already cryptic enough. Like we shouldn't be trying to withhold information especially from a lot of founders who are like this is their first time trying to really go and raise institutional capital and don't necessarily get feedback on how to walk that journey or how to how to go down that path and so um we preach transparency obviously are we sharing like lp docs like openly on twitter and stuff like that not necessarily um but i think that everyone on our team would agree that if any founders came to us with questions we are very direct we're very open we're very honest about our process and, and how we how we view things yeah i love that um this is a good time to say you know uh speaking as far as burnout if you're looking for expert software developers that doesn't have to be difficult especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably 
He's the platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Are you familiar with Fullscale? Like, have you ever been on that platform? I don't think I've been on it, like, directly, but I know about Fullscale, yeah. Dope. It's, it's super dope. I, I would definitely, I mean, recommend it to your portfolio companies if it's something you want to do. I don't get paid for this. I'm just saying <laughs> I've been on there. Obviously, I know Matt. It's, it's, a, it's a good setup. I, I like the way he has it, um, has positioned it for tech startups. So, we have another. We have another founder in KC. I think that's uh, that Charlotte actually works with. That's doing something similar. Um, I believe is Lee building out a similar platform. Lee's doing. Oh, nah. I think I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's okay. different. Okay. I don't know. We, talk, we can talk about that <laughs> later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. My questions: potential risk, health risk of grind culture i want to get back to that because i i am honestly and one of the reasons that i started addressing you know the mental health um epidemic for entrepreneurs outside of myself and my um previous struggles is that i'm so sick of getting on instagram and twitter and wherever else snapchat whatever your choice choose your flavor and seeing these entrepreneurs posing in front of the Lamborghini, you know, promoting, working 24 seven and just this unhealthy, unrealistic um, battle rhythm of getting to a million dollars or $50 million. First of all, a lot of people think they want $50 million in their account. You don't, you don't even need that. Like there's, why are you working what are you working for is, is the first thing. But two, just the risk. I want to just reverse and show that it can be different. You know what I mean? Like you can work, you can do what you have to do. You can grind it out. But like the whole culture behind it is become so unhealthy and so unrealistic and it's not even real. A lot of those times, those Lamborghinis are freaking rented. Like it's, you, you go and get a photographer with a drone and you stand in front of a Lamborghini. It's like, yeah, I'm successful. Let me show you how to make six figures. It's all marketing. But that marketing, as far as selling courses and things like that, is what they use. And, and they've, they've put this picture of success and it looks just like that. You know exactly what it looks like. An orange Lamborghini or a green Lamborghini. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I see it on my Explorer page Maybe all the time. Rise, like wherever. Like that is the yeah. picture of success now. And it's, it's bullshit, honestly. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, so. So so what we're kind of getting at is like this idea of like people preaching really what's an unhealthy form of work and then attaching it to a lifestyle that they know most people most people dream of, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what it is, is it's a false narrative. Like I think, again, I can only speak from my perspective, um, but what I've seen is everyone that's successful has their own routine. Like you and I both know this because we've tried to get things off the ground many times. Like yeah. there is a phase in time where you have to be working, right? Like you have to be trying to make it work to figure out what's best for your customers, various stakeholders, your team. like. You're on any given day as an early stage founder, especially when you're by yourself wearing probably 25 hats. And there's some of that that you just have to go through. 
Yeah. But what's not communicated enough, which I think is something that you're trying to solve, which is like a beautiful, it's beautiful to kind of watch your process of like you bringing light to this is like, who's talking about balance? Who's talking about going and seeing a mental health professional regularly so that you have someone to talk to? Who's talking about rest and replenishing? Who's talking about hobbies and exercise and diet, right? Like there's not enough people that are wedding those things together and being like, hey, what actually makes a successful entrepreneur is not just the person that's willing to put in the work, but the person that's putting to put, willing to put in the work on themselves so that they can stay healthy, so that they can continue to provide for the longevity of things. Um, and I just think that that's not talked about enough. I think that there are too many people who are just committed to doing what they see or doing what they think that they're supposed to do. It's performative. And oftentimes they hit a wall. They hit that wall very quickly. And because they haven't built a foundation to really nurture themselves, it's difficult to kind of go back around. So I think, you know, what, what you know, our work is based on kind of what we're both doing. And then just even how we care about the community is how do we shift the narrative? Like, how do we start having conversations about what does it mean to both be ambitious, hardworking, regular, consistent, but also healthy, mindful, aware, um, accepting restfulness, right? Like, like, what are those conversations like? And how can we start to, what I would probably coin, like, build out the holistic entrepreneur, that person who yeah. is able to both take care of themselves and their business. Because I think that as we move further and further into the future, those are probably going to be the people that are the best poised for success down the road. Obviously, it sounds like you're, you know, you started to develop that process and you are one of those. So it's like, how do we create more Janae's? And like, how do we find more of those and then be able to encourage them to do that? Well, I'll stop you there. There's only one me. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. You one of a kind, you're right. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm so, I've been looking for the solution for a while. And I think I've just come to the conclusion, conclusion that the same way that, you know, you know, Alexis Ohanian calls it actually hustle porn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that, that he called that, called it. Yeah. That. Hustle culture or grind culture, he calls it hustle porn. And it's so true though, because it's just so attractive, right? It's like, you can't, it's like, I gotta have that. And bro, like if you're starting a tech startup, first of all, you do not make a million dollars yourself personally to go buy a freaking Lambo and do all those extra things. For a while, if ever. So, <laughs> for, for a long like, time. It's, it, like, relatively, it's a short time in the grand scheme of things, but it's longer than, like, I started this startup and six months later, you know. Yeah, like, like no. There might be some cases of that somewhere, so I don't want to say it's not possible, but that's not the norm. Yeah, I it's not the norm at all. Um, And it's, I, is it really something that even, I guess, some people do want the Lambo. That's <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I just realized like the way that you do it is the same way that they did it. They created hustle porn. You got to create holistic porn. You got to make this lifestyle seem just as valuable and um, just as desirable as standing in front of a Lamborghini with it. And I travel, you know what I mean? But I'm doing the things that make me happy. And when, and when people can see like that is genuine, like, you are truly living your best life and whatever that looks like for you, maybe your best life is being with your family, which is a part of me living my best life. I can spend time with my family and my daughter whenever I want. I go to every soccer game. I go to every practice. I'm with my wife. Like, you know what I mean? If they want to travel, if they want to go somewhere, we're going. And and that's good enough for me. I drive a freaking Jeep. You know what I'm saying? She drives an Audi. She's a little fancier than me, but <laughs> we, we don't have no Lambos. We, we have a house. Well, we did, we did have 
two two residences. But those are the things that make us happy. Those are the things that complete us. Being able to say, I'm going to change my environment because I'm back in hustle mode, startup mode, early stage mode. And that's really the only thing that I can control when it comes to my schedule um, and how my day goes is because I started to focus on what makes me happy and I was more productive and I was doing more revenue generating things. It was just like a, you know, a domino effect. So want to know your, your, um, your mental health routines. What do you do to get in a space where you can continue to work the way that you work, that you continue to be productive and help entrepreneurs and living your purpose? First and foremost, I have to acknowledge the fact that I'm a person of faith. So um, for me, that is like core to my values and what I believe in and and the higher power that I believe in. And so, um, you know, I start every day with prayer and meditation. Um, I know for a lot of people, like maybe it's not an entity, maybe it's like the universe, but um, there is this calling that's, you know, we're all interconnected to something that's beyond us. And that's what helps me kind of keep my purpose at the forefront of my mind. So before I even, look at my phone, emails, anything like that. Um, I get up and I do a 20 minute prayer and meditation. Um, And it's really about setting myself up intentionally for the day and being very direct. And um, this is what I want to accomplish. This is how I want to accomplish it, but also expressing gratitude for a lot of the things that I do already have in my life. Like that gives me a calm and an internal peace that then allows me to kind of go out and I would say conquer. Um, I do have therapists that I see uh, what was once a week, um, when I was going through some tumultuous times, um, I've now kind of like spread it out a little bit more. So now it's once every three weeks. Um, but she is incredible. She is also a black woman. Shout out all my black women. Um, I yeah. think that there is something special to be said about having a black female uh, counselor or mental health professional, um, especially as a black male who um, oftentimes has difficulty in expressing some of my innermost thoughts to either my counterparts uh, or my homies, right? Like it's, 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 you can have those conversations and be really intimate, but it's, it's, it's beautiful when you have somebody across the, you know, across the table that's professionally trained. Um, and then I try to really give time to prioritizing things that are important to me. There are people out there, Janelle, I'll tell you right now that are like, I don't want to sleep. Sleep is for the week. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I love sleep. Like they can, they can have that. Like, I'm like, if I could start my day at 10 AM, I would work till 10 p. Cause like, I feel like I want that time to wake up and be able to have breakfast and exercise now. Yeah. Obviously can't always do that because I work on East coast time and to be early is really to be late. So it's like, I do have to get up, but I prioritize sleep. If I can get in 30 minute power naps every now and then I try to. Um, and that's a little bit more to be transparent about my process. Um, and then exercise, exercise is huge for me. Um, I love fitness. Like I love getting out and even if it's just taking a walk, um, I love going to the gym. And so like the process of those things, as well as being able to acknowledge when I need rest, like being able to say to my team, Hey, I may need two days to not take any external meetings. And then also having an incredible team that can slide in and be able to, um, kind of hold that weight while I'm gone, um, has been great for my process in terms of setting myself up for success and being able to prioritize my mental health. I love that. I love it. I love the faith thing too. I'm one of the universe people, uh, but I was raised non-denomination. I was raised in church four times a week, you know, whatever, that type of kid. 
You um, was in church boot camp. They had you in church boot camp. My, <laughs> my dad is a pastor. Um, you know, and I've kind of come into my own, but I, I do believe that you should have some type of higher power, something that you look to to kind of keep you grounded. It's so important. It doesn't have to be religion, but you need something to keep you grounded. You know, I honestly don't trust people who are just out here willy nilly. Like what, what keeps you accountable? Like what keeps you These are facts though. morally yeah. like sound? What, what, I feel like you need something. And, and if it's not your family, if it's not religion, it, like, what is it? You just, it's out here. I don't. I don't. I gotta watch you. Um, just blowing in the wind. <laughs> yeah, just booty flapping in the wind. Um, I I wanted to say, and this will be my first um, company where I raise money, and I I want to hear your feedback on um, the preventative measures that I feel like I am taking to get there, and maybe some of our listeners can take this um, if the feedback is good or, you know, whatever. But so one of the things I know is that, you know, when you take on investment, specifically VC, you guys are looking for growth, right? You want to return on your investment, anybody. Um, And that can put, it's a slippery slope because it can put a lot of pressure on us as the founder. We feel like like I have to get this returns. I have there. I have to be held accountable. There's money involved. Every you know, there's cap tables, everything, and then that kind of filters down to the rest of the team, right? Like people see me showing up earlier and doing these things, and then I'm looking at everyone else for KPIs and you know, checking my email obsessively and just the healthy boundaries that you set in the beginning they start to kind of fade away, right? And then it does become performative exhaustion, hustle porn, as Alexis says, and eventually the entire company culture just becomes or can become, which I have seen before, more competitive and political. And like the value in the team is placed on productivity rather than like quality or like a sustainable output. And then everyone's quitting and, you know, Startups, you hear this a lot that just the the turnaround, or excuse me, not the turnaround, it's like a revolving door for employees, people quitting because the culture is just so toxic or whatever. So for me, I have implemented kind of a flat structure as, for, as far as organizational models are concerned and just very collaborative. Everyone has a voice. My intern gets on some meetings, you know what I mean, and <laughs> gives input. And I feel like, for me, I think it it helps people continue to feel valuable. We're all working towards the same goal, and it becomes less of me looking like, what's everybody doing? And everyone's just kind of on the same page and on the same team. And I hate when hearing startups saying we value culture and you're part of the family here, because that's bullshit to me. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't structure your company in a way that defines success as more than just productivity and it's more focused on balance. Your thoughts? That's a loaded question. And there was a lot of things in there. So let me try to like figure out. Um, I went off into a rant. 
No, no, no. Let me try to figure out exactly what to kind of attack here. So um, the first thing that I tell people um, is know your business very well, because Mm -hmm. I think that from the outside, VC can look very attractive. Um, However, VC is not for everyone. And oftentimes I find myself explaining to particularly founders of color what VC is, how the model works. Um, and although you know, there are firms like us that are trying to disrupt that model, there is some kind of nuances of just how the business works in its nature that is not suited for all types of businesses. Um, so there is, you know, I wouldn't call it pressure, but a responsibility. Anytime you take on money from an investor and that might not even be an institutional, that could be like angel investors that come in that have varying personalities. Like yeah. you get an angel investor who wants to put the money away and not hear from you for five years or until you raise that next round. But then you get the angel investor who wants to be an operator with you and, you know, signs operator agreements and things like that. And so knowing like what you want to get into and knowing your business very well and knowing like how you want to scale is like the number one thing. Secondly, though, as you are starting to look for investors, this is why I think it's like paramount, paramount, paramount for founders to figure out the culture of the types of investors that they want on their cap table. A lot of founders think that you have to just take money because VCs are interested in your company, especially if you have a good company. But that's actually backwards. Like VC would not exist without founders, without people building the next Ubers and uh, Facebooks and Twitters and Discords and things like that of the world, right? And so it's important that I think founders in their own way do a due diligence of the people that they're going to have on their cap table to know, are these people aligned with us, right? And that takes like, it's a process. It's not just going to their website and being like, seeing that they love, they love scrappy founders that are based in the Midwest and are building great AI companies, right? Like (laughs) it's going to those people's LinkedIn's and really figuring out what has their experience been like? Do they have any overlapping experiences with me? Where'd they go to school? Maybe like, do you know anybody in their network where you can ask about kind of their character um, and their trustworthiness and things like that? And so I think like those are the preventative measures that I would encourage founders to do before you get into a relationship with an investor, Mm -hmm. because it is a long-term relationship. Because the worst case scenario is you haven't researched the investor. You haven't actually figured out if your business is even poised for VC. And then you get into a place where you take hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars from somebody else. And now they're coming to you knocking on the door because they have that, they have that responsibility. That's a part of their job. It's part of my job. And it's like, you're not in a position where you can deliver, right? And I think that there's always a balance with that. And that if you find the right investors, they're always going to be willing to work with you because you've built a good relationship. You have similar interests. You have similar mindsets about how to attack the problems. And so you're not really getting into the kind of tit for tat where it's like, it feels like it's just a job. That all being said though, Janae, I cannot be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that sometimes VCs do have to be bad guys, right? Like sometimes- um, there are things because we have bosses too that people don't understand. Our LPs are our bosses. Right. And we are in charge of their capital and we're in charge of deploying that capital in the best way with minimal risk. Go ahead. Can you, for the listeners that don't know, can you let us know what an LP is? For sure. Yeah. So limited partners are, well, LPs are limited partners. And these are people that invest in VC funds on behalf of other investors, right? So these could be endowments. It could be, uh, major corporations, it could be high net worth individuals, anybody that wants to put their money into the asset class to see it grow over a long period of time, uh, relatively quickly during that period of time, um, with 
obviously opportunity for massive returns. And so LPs are really who employ <laughs> VCs. Yes. Um, it's, with it's, that, it's important to know that because it gives a lot of founders don't know and they don't have the perspective that just like you're asking for investment, VCs have to go out and raise investment as well. So they're not investing in people just because they like you or cause, or not investing because they don't like you. Like They literally have to have ROI just like you do so that they can go back to these LPs and continue to raise funds and continue to invest. On the other side of that, what I always say is founders, do not forget that you play a role in this and you have a voice. As much as I love Nas, like if we started an investment founder relationship, I wouldn't just take his money or excuse me, 68 Capital's money just because it's there. I was going to say, my pocket's empty right now. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got it, bro. but I have a voice. I understand that ecosystems move because founders come up with great ideas. The greatest and brightest minds are coming up with the greatest ideas and VCs need those ideas to invest in. So it is a mutually beneficial relationship. It is not just what the VC says or what the angel says or even what the bank says, you you are going out and you're working hard. So sorry to cut you off. I just, you, you know, I had to say my piece. No, that's that's beautiful. And I, I would actually disagree only on saying it's, it is, it is beneficial on both sides, mm-hmm. but it skews in favor to the founder. Like the mm-hmm. founder is the most valuable asset in the entire thing. Correct. Right. And I like, I've said that multiple times on this conversation, but it's like, I'm all about like empowering founders to take that power back and to just kind of be like, Hey, look, like, we know that we're the ones, like you said, that are going out and hitting the ground every day and building out these companies. It's essential for founders to do their due diligence to find investors that are aligned in the causes and missions that they also want to serve. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you'll be in a relationship that you can't get out of that's a negative one. So, And that would suck. You ever been married to somebody you want to be married to? No. All right. <laughs> that, we're at the end here. So, you know, I have to spit off some questions. One word answers. Or you can tell a story, whatever you prefer. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try not to tell the story. I'll be going on and on. I'll try not to. Okay. Um, what defines a win for you? A win is making sure everyone around me eats. Love it. Nas the philanthropist. Um do you consider yourself driven or obsessed? Somewhere in between the two. You know when Drake says somewhere between psychotic and iconic? Ooh. Okay, that brings saying. me to my next question. If you're trapped on the island and can only hear one album, what would it be? If you're reading this, it's too late. You know that's my favorite doubt because I, I, I said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I already knew. I knew it was Drake at the very least. Uh. What's your superpower? My ability to listen. Mm, kryptonite. Sometimes I'm too emotional about things. Ooh, what's your sign? Aquarius. What about you? Ooh, I thought I was the emotional one. Cancer. We're both pretty emotional, though. Um, <laughs> that made me lose my question. <laughs> <laughs> Took you down a path you wasn't ready to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start thinking about stuff. Okay, so uh, (laughs) describe yourself in one word. 
Relentless. Describe me in one word. Empowering. Oh, describe entrepreneurs in one word. The good ones are the ones that fizzle out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, entrepreneurs are tenacious. You have to be to be able to go out and go against the grain and, and build something um, and really to stick to it, even when it doesn't yeah. necessarily always feel like it's working out. I love it. I love it. Any last words before we jump off of here? Um, have to shout out Janae. Thank you so much. And also Foresight. Um, have to shout out the Startup Hustle crew for me as I'm today um, and also want to shout out Kansas City for being one of the best startup ecosystems. City entrepreneurs <laughs> baby. Um, where can everyone reach you at? Where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram are my two probably most public facing social medias uh, at Nasir Chris. Uh, first name, last name, those spaces, dashes, underscores all of that um, across all my social medias. Feel free to reach out, follow, DM, uh, all the things or hit up Janae. And then she'll give you, she'll give you my contact. I really will. I'll give I'll give you his cell number. Oh no no no. Okay, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> and that's Chris, not Cross. Chris. Let him know. Let him know. Maybe try to say Nasir crises. No. <laughs> what? no, it doesn't no. even look like that. <laughs> People. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much for closing out my series. I really appreciate everyone for listening. I have had a blast. Stay tuned because I will continue pushing out this type of content about mental health. I have a lot coming up. I've been really silent, but it's about to get real loud up in here. You know how <laughs> sticky it gets. For having me. I didn't curse a lot, so that that's that wasn't normal, but you know, the message. We we don't wanna we don't wanna dilute the message with curse words. All right. Y'all have a great one. Keep hustling. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.